I want to give up every day. Like, there's lots of days where I just want to give up. I just want to like, this is a lot of work. Why am I trying so hard? And then I get, like, people don't understand. They can't relate to me. So, so it goes through my head every day. Like, I want to give up. I'm like, ah, I'm done with this. But I, I don't. Something inside of me says, no, you got to keep going. That was Zeke Crozier, and this is Guild Stories. Hey, y'all, and welcome to Guild Stories, the podcast where every person has a story, and it's the stories that connect us all. I'm Justin Rickliffs, founder and CEO of Guild Content, husband of Brooke, and father of five young people. And I'm joined today by my lovely co-host, who happens to be my wife as well. Hey, guys, I'm Brooke, owner of Reclaim the Home, Justin's wife and mother of five. We're so grateful you're here. This podcast is a place where we'll explore the stories of hustlers, dreamers, and doers who are going for it by pursuing meaningful work and living life with purpose. Welcome to Guild Stories. What's up, guys? Um, Man, this one's going to be a really kind of sobering, powerful, neat story um, that will will bring lots of hope and encouragement and and just, I think, some time to to have some reflection and perspective on on life and, and the things that we're all collectively going through. Um, the, this this guy's story, I know just bits and pieces of, um, and I can't wait to personally hear more. Um, and, and, and I guess I'll quit rambling and just get into it. But we've got uh, Army Staff Sergeant, retired, Ezekiel Crozier, and uh, he is the currently the, the creator and founder of Handicapping.org, and we're going to hear all about it. But, dude, this guy has been through more um, and his young short life than, uh, than most ever should. Um, and, and I think you'll hear in his voice and his smile on these photos, uh, of, of what he's overcome and what he's kind of dealt with and, and worked through. So man, Zeke, we're really, really grateful and humbled to have you on the show, bro. It's a privilege, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, I think when you, uh, you hit the word perfectly, when you said his perspective, man, that's, uh, that's given me, uh, you know, a different outlook on life and a lot of perspective on what I've experienced. So uh, it's all in how you see things and how you uh, respond and react to things that happen to you. So I'm excited to be on here. Thanks for having me out here. Yeah, dude, of course. Thanks for coming, trekking all the way up to Liberty, man. <laughs> it was it was definitely a ruck, I'll tell you that. That's all right, though. Yeah. Um, well, uh, just by way of context for those listening to us, so a couple kind of connection points for, for you and me. Um, my dad is maybe, in addition to my mom and the people who work with us, the, the biggest listeners of the show, right? <laughs> so yeah. he calls me one day and he was like, hey, man, um, there's this young, um, my dad owns a daycare center out in Olathe. And he's like, there's this young family and this the, the dad has just got this powerful story. And he's a former army guy. And he um, he kind of like ram like ra- like me, right? Like father, like son, rambles along uh, this path around. Um, he was in a helicopter crash, and now he's got this thing, and he's had some traumatic brain injury, and and he's overcome a lot of that stuff, and he's got this cool nonprofit. I'm like, whoa, 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 amazing! Like I'm in, <laughs> like in. Yeah. He, you have me at army, right? Like I, uh, my dad was in the air force, and we've got deep ties to the military. Um, so that was one connection and he connected us, which was great. And I'm really thankful for that. And then the second, as we kind of stalked and snooped around you as we were getting ready for, for our, our show here, um, notice that you've done a lot of work with, um, uh, some fellow chiefs, friends of ours, Mitch Holtis in particular. Uh, so that was cool. And then the last one is as, even as you and I talked this morning, uh, looking through your book, I was like, oh man, like Brooke, my wife and I were at an event where one of your pieces was auctioned off. Um, at the at one of the autism events here in KC, and so 
Man, I, again, like at the risk of overstating it, I'm just I'm grateful for your time, man. And I know it's it's really precious. So thanks for being willing to share your story with us, man. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Yeah, Mr. Uh, Mr. John, uh, the kids <laughs> know him well and uh, great human being. He uh, even when I first came back, right, I started making art doing that thing. Even my first one, first few I was making that weren't even great. And he's all like, Zeke, bring it in here. Just set it down on, the, on, the, on like this chair and just display it for a couple of days. <laughs> uh, awesome. he's, uh, he's always been a great supporter. And uh, his friendship is, uh, is good. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. That relationship. Yeah. No, he, and he's into the whole photography thing and art and all that. So yeah. That, that's yeah. I, need to, I need to go by and see his, uh, his place, too. We, we've talked about it. I know where it's somewhere in Olathe. I just yep. haven't had a chance to make it out there yet. Yep. Yep. He'd love that, I'm sure. Um, well, I know there's, there's lots of ways we could kind of jump in and different points. Um, and so I don't know, maybe the most helpful, but, but if you could wind us back to like Zeke as a kid, where'd you grow up? Where are you from? Um, would love just to kind of get some context around who you were kind of pre army. Sure. Uh, yeah. Um, so I was uh, born at KU medical center, uh, local. Right. And then at some point in my young age, uh, we moved North to a place called Bethany, Missouri. Um, is Bethany north of St. Joe? Where is Bethany? I just remember it's north, I-35 north. I haven't been back okay. in like okay. years, yeah. but I just know that it's north on 35. Okay, it's, got it. It's like right before you hit Iowa. Okay, got it, got it. So, um, but Bethany was fairly small. I, I guess it's yeah. huge now. It's like a mm. party town, something like that. Mm. They do lots of concerts, things like that. Um, mm. But east of Bethany, a place called Mount Moriah. When I lived yeah. there, there was like 45 people. I think it's like tripled, maybe. I don't know, but it's... <laughs> But it's very, very small. Okay, yeah. so there was two churches, uh, and, and, and we lived in two of the houses there. Huh. So in this small community, um, that's kind of where I, I, I became, you know, Zeke. That's yeah. where I grew up. That's what I know. Small, had nothing. Huh. You know, that's where my, my beliefs and values kind of mm. kind of rooted from. Mm. And so uh, somewhere around uh, mid to 1998, somewhere around there, um, we moved back, or we moved here to uh, Spring Hill. Okay. South of Olathe. Yeah. Um, I had a grandparent that passed away, and then that, that just brought our family here. So I went to Spring Hill, graduated in 02, and then uh, I worked my, my, my tail off. That was kind of mm. like my outlet for many things. Mm. And uh, that's all I knew was work, work ethic, things like that. So, what kind of work? Just so, whatever. well, I mean, when I was 13, I went to Sonic, and they said, we can't hire you till 14. But. Uh, Sonic had just opened there. It was, uh, you know, and um, they let me power wash the lot. That was my job. Nice. So I would. I remember I used to mow yards, um, shovel snow, and then uh, and then I was power washing the lot. Boom. And then the day I turned fourteen, they hired me on as an employee. That's so awesome. I was the first car hop, male car hop, at the Sonic, and everyone hated me. Well, they didn't hate me, but they were like, <laughs> they were like, dude. Because I killed it on the right, money. You're hustling. I was. Yeah. I was tearing it up on the money, and people were like, dude, this guy, this is a guy car hop. What? I didn't do the, the skates and like that. <laughs> I was going to ask, but man, I mean, that my, it was all perspective. It's like yeah. how I, how I yeah. was looking at it. Plus, I was taking care of my mom. She had gone through a divorce, and so mm. going through high school, I, I did concrete flat work. Uh, mm. So I was working that. People did articles on me in high school, even saying like, "This guy works two jobs and he goes to school." Crazy. So um, it's just who I've always been. I've always been had that mentality: work, 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 and yeah. then uh, and just accomplish. I'm goal oriented. So. Mm. Uh, so yeah, like I was paying for my mom's bills through high school, like the last Dude. couple of years. So, um, I don't need a pat on the back, but I'm, I'm, I'm like, it's again, it's perspective and trying to share that with somebody else yeah. and say like, this is where 
you got to go. It's what it takes. So, uh, yeah, just work, work ethic. Um, and then uh, I remember in the Twin Towers, that event happened September 11th. Uh, I was working at Sonic. Mm. I mean, I was at school when it happened, but then I had to go to work that night. And I remember working inside Sonic whenever that long, long line of, of vehicles waiting to get gas because that was like the fear. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was such an eerie day. I mean, obviously a tragic day, but just, yeah, that, that day lasted. It felt like for a week. Exactly. It did. It, crazy. it just went on and on. And it was like, but that's where my mindset came to that. Like, that's where, um, I like the military side of it, you mm. know, getting into that. Um, that's kind of where it started. My brother joined the Marine Corps mm. growing up. My like icon person I looked up to was, uh, Arlie Ermey, mm. uh, from full metal jacket. Yeah. If you ever watched that, yeah. uh, he was the drill instructor, the guy on the front of that booklet. Yeah. So, uh, that that just made sense. Like awesome. I w- my brother joined the Marine Corps, and so uh, and I, that's that that that's where I, that's where I wanted to go. I was like I was set on I was enjoying the Marine Corps, mm. um, and then uh, it took a different route because they couldn't guarantee me a job. When I went to go talk to the recruiter, they're like uh, they couldn't guarantee me a position. Therefore, I'd be like a grunt or a runt, whatever you want to call them, um, where I'm just like a, a ground pounder, and I'm like I don't that's oh, not my, I'm not interested yeah. in that. So, uh, but I wanted to see my options again. I was younger, and I didn't yeah. know it was out there. So I went to the army recruiter and then, you know, they're like, what do you want to do? And, uh, I passed the, uh, the test, the ASVAB. And so they're like, uh, you basically do whatever you want. And so I'm like, I'm not even sure what there is. And mm. Gardner, which is near, uh, where I was at, they're like, you know, there's a reserve unit out here, uh, the Chinook helicopters. And I'm like, it sounds cool. And it's yeah. close. Yeah. It's local. So I considered active duty. It's where I wanted to go. Um, but it, uh, they they said I could always go active duty if I wanted to. So I was like, okay, let's do let's do this first and see what happens. And uh, it became permanent because wow. um, I was on orders. So even like you know they say it's like the one week in the month, two weeks out of the year. Um, I guess it could be if you wanted that, mm-hmm. but but we weren't or- we were on orders, active orders, so much too. So I was like, this is good. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, served nine years there, two humanitarian Jeez. missions to Pakistan and Africa, and then two combat deployments to uh, afghanistan so mm. yeah i'm going on with this i'll go forever no keep going i'm like i'm like <laughs> on the edge of my seat going okay so uh, what, do i ask him about pakistan and, Af- and china first or do we go to china? afghanistan <laughs> um yeah uh, or africa i mean you, you no you're uh, fine yeah. there's no viruses yeah, yeah. there yeah. <laughs> i mean there, there's plenty of viruses everywhere man um yeah so uh pakistan was for the earthquake they had okay um, and that's when that's when we were like kind of friends with them i guess before they found a uh, Bin Laden over there. Um, but there was an earthquake that we went over there for. Uh, PBS followed us. They did a documentary really? on that. You can, huh. I guess it's online. It's called Kansas to Kandahar. Huh. Uh, documented us into Pakistan and then into Afghanistan. Um, so I was a mechanic. That's what I wanted to be, a 15 uniform. Uh, it was a, a rep- helicopter repairman. Mm. Um, and so, and then about halfway through, somewhere around 2008, 2009, 2009 when we went to uh, Uganda, Africa, that's where I was kind of training, beginning my RL progression to, mm. to be a crew, a crew chief on the helicopter. So, mm. um, yeah. And so, uh, nine years total. Uh, and then my final deployment to Afghanistan in 2011, I was in country 41 days Jeez. and, uh, my helicopter crashed, mm. suggested it was shot down. Um, they don't just fall out of the sky either though, but, um, there's a book. And this 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 is such yeah. a long and huge yeah. story, um, and it's difficult for me to like to like p- 
piece it because I'm telling the story to somebody so else that sure. has no idea. And that's why I'm excited because uh, I have a ghostwriter who's going to be writing a book. Oh, no way. And so that's not part and partly that's that's for me as well, because of course I need someone to document and to help me tell my story. Mm. You know, that's mm. why these little booklets, I give you a booklet. Um, mm. Johnson County Community College that started there when I did a speech for them at their mm. at the at the college there. A friend of mine uh, put this together mm. and still finishing up a, a new one of them, but it helps me because of my memory. I've got a brain injury. We yeah. didn't go through all that yet. Yeah, uh, I've got a and so my memory uh, struggle with things, recalling events, things like that. Word retrieval is like the the best wording for that and what the doctors had said. Okay, okay. But the, for me, analyzing it um, and giving it from my perspective, it's it's remembering, recalling things. Man. So even though I've experienced so much in in my life. Uh, getting it out of my brain um, is what's hard for me. So I have these little booklets and yeah. even a book will help me like remember like mm. did, did this happen? This actually happens when it happens. So mm. it's just difficult to, to, to put that out there. Um, yeah. And I'm going to lean on you to help me uh, stay on track. So if I start going <laughs> oh, off, dude. man, just, just pull me back and say, okay, how about this? Cause that's what happens. Like I'll keep going. I'll talk about something and then I'll, we'll get, We'll get pulled away for another hour on that, and you'll be like, "Oh man, I didn't think about this one." No, so. man, uh, and and I, I am I am um, in many, <coughs> excuse me, in many ways the same. Um, where I'll, I'll chase lots of random squirrels throughout the the, the journey here, but um, so so for, it, as best as you can remember, walk us back to that event. I mean, how um, I, I just this morning saw the photo of the Chinook laying in that field, and I'm like, "Holy!" crap man like how, yeah uh, um and and i i think naively and kind of ignorantly i even asked you like were you the only one that survived like it, th- it's a very alarming disturbing photo um so how big was the crew what that looked like and um i know that's a really painful day but like how what that looked like so uh painful yes um but in the fact that it's especially painful for me because i didn't have to experience it like i experienced that mm-hmm. but remembering it sure. and living it completely different from the yeah. out, the guys that were there, yeah. right? The things that they saw and they, they dealt with seeing me laying there like that, mm. you know what I mean? So I can't, I can't relate to that. Yeah. And so, yeah. but I have empathy and compassion and I, and I, and I appreciate them and what they've done to help me to be here today. So, mm. um, yeah, uh, I remember we, uh, we were in Jalalabad. We, we were stationed at a fob shank, which is up in the mountains. Um, we had moved to Jalalabad for a, a day mission to resupply so there were already guys in a firefight basically essentially and then uh gosh came and okay. we had to move new troops in and resupply things like that so uh so there's five crew members two pilots and three backseaters for the chinook and you're a crew member at this and point. i was a crew member okay. yes you worked so your a, way up i was a crew chief and actually i was like i like i said i was progressing and so this was actually my my flight engineer uh check ride Jeez. This last flight, and so they did sign me off. Um, I'm not. Sure. I think it was like a feel bad <laughs> thing. Like, well, he's already getting. He's getting out anyway at this point. So <laughs> we'll give it to him. Um, but yeah. Um, so five crew members. That that's that's uh, standard um, for missions like that. So I was on the ramp. Um, we took off. It was night. We normally uh, these these uh, these. Uh, these missions we normally did at night, mm. right? You're not going to fly during the day where everybody can see it. Th- yeah. they, they're yeah. It's already a big target, right? And then even at night, you can 
they're loud mm. and they move. Is the slow. Sh- this is a stupid question? Is the Chinook bigger than the Blackhawk or vice versa? Yeah, yeah. The, the Chinook's bigger. bigger okay, and the Chinook is actually the fastest. Okay, okay. Nobody believes that, but yeah, the Chinook uh, is the fastest, and not because it's supposed to be. Like it's supposed to not be able to fly, but, it, <laughs> but we say it submits the air, but it, it forces the air into submission, and that wow. it just it just beats. Man, I love the Chinook. Uh, it gives me it messes my whenever I hear it, um, it like my heart starts you know Dude. rattling. But then once I see it, then I'm like, oh, I miss it. Uh. And then I say I miss it till I get up in uh, like a plane, and I'm like, this freaks oh. me the hell out. So, oh, I bet, man. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. No, you're good. So, uh, but we we were at a Jalalabad. Um, I remember we went to the the briefing, um, what was going to happen, and uh, we went out, got the bird ready. We took a photo on the ramp. We never took photos. Like I don't recall taking photos. That yeah. wasn't something we yeah. ever did. And then, but this one night, uh, Buddy Lee, he was our our FOB commander, uh, and he was like get a photo i'm saying something about the a-team we just we flew together the guys that we had we flew together uh and so we took a picture on the ramp and it was actually with my camera no way and the reason i knew this is because moving moving you know i had a couple months i'm in the hospital and we found my camera in my pants oh like i got all my things back my camera was part of because i put it down on my on my ankle next to my ankle in that pocket and my camera was in there and i started scrolling through and i was like what the heck man oh my gosh so that's where photos that have come about have started to piece together yeah. some of the story so, um, wow. but uh, we took a photo and then i'd say estimated again from what's given to me like an hour and a half after that whenever we took off we took the guys to go land uh, and then drop them is about the estimated time of when mm. we went down um, mm. we went in uh, i was on the ramp like i said i was the only person standing up everybody else is seated mm. um, we're in a seated position the crew members are sitting on they might have been sitting in their in their little area, or they could have been standing up a little bit to for to to you know for visibility to look and, and see things like that because the pilots can't see; they're looking straight ahead, and they might have like a ninety degree turn. That's what they can see. Other than that, they're focused on ahead and mm-hmm. the instruments. And so you've got two crew members on the on the side, right behind them for their for their eyes left and right, and then I'm in the back. We've we've got to communicate. It's called crew coordination. We've all got to communicate. Uh, to basically tell the pilots where to go, and, and you've got zero illumination, so that's like basically go outside in the middle of the night, but there's no lights, street lights, nothing like that. We're all under goggles. Um, I have to relate things in order for me to better understand it and, and speak about it. So my the way I compare that is if you imagine landing in Arrowhead Stadium, mm. and you're flying out there, and then you have this one small object, you've got to go land right there in the in midfield. So we're coming in a bowl, and we're landing down. The bowl happens to be trees and poor terrain. It's rocky. No, uh, no light. No light, and then the wind is just howling. Like, it's whipping us around. And you've got people that mm. are enemy around you. So uh, so I remember we, I, they, we did a couple go-arounds, maybe a one, two. It's in the book, and that helps me. That's my, yeah. that's my justification. Yeah. My validation is that yeah. there's a book, not about me. It's about... Um, the other guys that were, that were in a crash that were killed uh, mm. from the SEAL Team 6 crash. Um, and so that book is about them. It's called The Final Mission of Extortion 17. Mm. Mm. But one of the chapters is, is is on our story Wow, of my crash. So that helps me with the information and the facts because I don't like getting things wrong, although it's mm. I struggle to remember things, recall things. So we were, uh, I know we did a couple go-arounds, and then we, went, we came into land, 
I called, uh, and I was on the back. My job was to call the tree clearance. So if, we're, if there's trees are up and we've got to come over that, there's also the blades that extend out from there Jeez. from the helicopter. So I've got to let them know, like, hey, you're clear of the trees. The blades are clear of the trees. You're clear to come down at this point. And so I recall saying that, you know, clear the trees, clear to come down. But then I also recall calling an RPG at the 6, six o'clock position. Um, I thought that missed. And then I called small arms fire. Um Again, I thought these missed, um, but then also in the book, there, it's so when there's an RPG, it's like a cigarette when you when you pop that cherry off there at the end of it, and then like little ashes that come mm-hmm. off of that as well. So that's part of the, what, what an RPG would do as well. So Jeez. it suggested either the the little piece of the RPG popped off and hit our number two engine, or the small arms fire got up in there and, and something. Regardless, we lost a number two engine. And with that altitude, with that weight from all the people on board, um, the number two engine was pegged. So Pegged meaning? Meaning it was maxed out. And this is what the pilot had, had, had said, that they, we lost the number two engine, basically. Mm. So with all that, you can't run it. With, you can't operate with, with, with all of that on one engine. So it just like went straight down. Mm. Like 150 feet is what the estimation was. Good night. Um, again, this is what I'm told yeah. as far as that's sure. concerned. Um so we landed, we went straight down, and he's pulling thrust, you know, trying to level it out. The pilots were amazing. Um, people don't normally hear about a Chinook or even a helicopter mm. crashing and then people recovering, things like that. So uh, but when we landed, even on that train, it landed perfectly Good in that night. situation to where uh, everything that was supposed to happen with the helicopter did happen. Uh, so, like, the, the fuselages, the fuel pods popped off. The aft pylon rotated around to the right side the way it was supposed to. And then the blades did chop in. It was like a can opener. It just peeled it right off on the top. Um, lucky that it didn't eat itself in the fact that it ate all the soldiers inside. Mm. You know, so. Uh, again, it's it's difficult for me to, to, to tell this. Every time I do, I, I sit there and I'm like, man, is that right? Is that mm. Did I get that right? Um, mm. Because I remember up to that point of me saying, you know, you're clear the trees, clear to come down. I remember I, I had said, even though I said it, I still question if I said that. Like, mm. I'll call my buddy, one of the guys that was the crew members, uh, the door gunner, and I'm like, man, Brooks, is this what happened? Like, mm. I keep thinking that's what happened, and he's like, yeah, that's what happened. So the reassurance helps yeah. because but it's got to feel so almost this this uh, orienting or uh, it is like confusing it is. of like it's am it's I like a dr- this up? it's kind of like when it, whenever you have a dream, you wake up and you're like. Did I dream that or did I just think of that just now? Like, is yeah. that? Yeah. And then in that dream, what really happened? Like, yeah. How do you how, how do you finish the dream? How, what happened next? Like trying to recall that oh. that dream. Oh my god. Only th- this is what re- this is what this was reality. Yeah. So um, like terrible reality, not like right. Like, yeah, I mean, and so I just uh, it's it's stressful, and then and then people will look at you and go, well, "Do you even know what you're talking about?" You know. And then um, those people need to shut up. <laughs> but hey, man, we all have. <laughs> I'm sorry. But there's people that ruin that too, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because there's, it's like anything like where, uh, let's uh, let's compare it like this. You know, like where people take advantage of a situation, right? And mm-hmm. then and then it changes your perspective on mm-hmm. on that reality. I, I, I park in a handicapped spot. I have that for life. It's permanent. Mm-hmm. I, I want to beat that. Obviously, I want to I want to overcome mm-hmm. that challenge too, and say, well, I don't need this. Mm-hmm. But during the when it's cold, my leg locks up. Things like that. It's hard to, to move like that. Although I look the way I do. You yeah. see me as I yeah. look right now. Yeah. So um, 
I don't like that kind of attention, but mm-hmm. I do have that for a reason. Um, yeah. I get, t- I get, you know, I have to go in and get reviewed every couple of years for that. You know, so I, I, I have, I've earned it. I, I deserve it. Yeah. There are people that deserve that, but at the same time, there are people out there that, that take advantage of that and they will of park course. in like a handicapped yeah. spot, whether they even have a placard or not. Mm-hmm. All right. So those mm-hmm. people are the ones that, that, that change your, your mindset and you're like, so now when you see somebody that looks fine, you're like, you, you, you jump on that way. You're abusing you're, it or whatever. You're abusing yeah. your, your, yeah. your, 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 your right here and that, that's not for you. So, so that's how I look at it from the other things. So mm. I get questioned a lot. Um, I feel like I have to explain myself a lot, mm. although I may not so have I mean. to. But, but then that's where I've taken what I'm doing now. Mm. And that's why I share my story. That's why mm. I talk and I try to help mm. people with perspective. Like you can't judge something you can't relate to. Yeah, that's right. How can you judge something you can't relate to? It's just your opinion, and you're being mm. rude, if that's the case, right? Because how can you judge somebody else, but then get offended when somebody else judges you? Mm. So yeah. it's as you go back to being a child, right? It's treat others the way you want to be treated, and so that's that's my that's my outlook. I'm like, I know what it feels like. I've been at the bottom. I've been judged. Um, I continue to be judged every day of my life. So why would I want to hurt somebody else in that same aspect? And, and, and how about let me help that other person any way that I can. I tell my kids all the time that instead of complaining about a situation, what can you do to change it? Mm. Right. They're sitting on the couch. This happens all the time. <laughs> they sit on the couch. Oh, yours too. Huh? Yeah. They sit on the couch. Right. And then, but he's over in my square. Like, okay. I'm not saying he's right about that, but what can you do instead of complaining about it and coming to me and saying, Hey, he's in my square. What can you do to change it? You can move to this chair over here. Another, another. You can move. You can move yourself. I'm not saying he what he did is right. Mm-hmm. Right. He could be wrong, but how can you change it? And what do you expect me to do to change it? Mm-hmm. Right. So instead of coming to somebody else trying to find and complaining, fix it yourself. What can you do to fix it first? Mm-hmm. So, again, perspective that's been given to me because of what I've experienced. Totally. So, um, and I just. I'm terrible with words, and I and no, it's, easy, not, it's, it's easy. It's easy for me to to to, ex- to try to. Well, it's easy for me to talk about that. It seems like I've got all the answers, but then you put me in a position where uh, my biggest trigger is disrespect, right? Mm. So I don't understand it. There's, it's not necessary. Like things happen, we we can't control. Even things that do happen that we can't control, I, I, it, it, they they frustrate me, right? But then, so I hate disrespect. But then, as soon as I get triggered and I get and I get like say I'm just say you disrespect me and then all of a sudden I become that that person that's disrespecting you mm. I become triggered and now, I, now I'm an ass because yep. I'm saying things and, and, and I'm tre- I'm being disrespectful to you one thing that, that upsets me yeah. so it's a, yeah. it's a it's a vicious cycle it is man um, so I just keep sharing my story and uh, and talking to people and relating trying to help people just to give them a different perspective yeah and like think of it like you know just mm. just be kind mm. I feel like it should be the easiest thing in the world, <laughs> right. you know? It should be. And, and this, especially in today's environment, um, that, that message resonates deep because I, I think that, I think that message could, could carry a lot of, um, Hey, if somebody's in your square, just move squares and right. be kind, man. Like we don't have to fight. Um, so, so the Chinook goes down, you, you, um, um, uh, again, you you can't remember these parts, but like, what was the journey after that? Like, what was the? Um, I mean, I ca- I can only even imagine. I can't actually imagine. I'm trying to imagine the the shock, the fear, the other crew that had to rush to that scene, getting getting you guys out of there. Like, 
um, to your point earlier, I mean, the, the, this is, this isn't even close to apples to apples, but like the, the helicopter crash of 2020 involves Kobe Bryant. Nobody survives. Right. Um, so you talk about these pilots that steadied it enough to like, at least allow you guys have a fighting chance at survival. Um, so it sounds like all five survived. Everyone on board, I believe it was 38 total, uh, five crew members and 33, uh, passengers, Oh which gosh. were which were infantry basically. Um, we were taking them in, resupply. Oh my god! New set of legs, things like that. Um, so, again, I don't remember all the details, and it, and it frustrates me because how can people listen to me and say, "Oh, tell me the story," but you don't remember the story? So is that even oh. accurate? So oh. you know what I mean? Like it just. But I, I question myself a lot. Sure, I'm hard on myself. We're all hardest on our on oh, ourselves. Of you know, we of course. We you are. could you could you could put me down all you want, but I've already done it. <laughs> I've already done it. You can't do it more than I already do myself. So. Uh, but we were, uh, yeah, we were we were just putting, you know, thankfully, um, and I've seen the inve- in the investigation report. There were a lot of injuries, many, of course, you know, bones, things like that, were broke, uh, cuts. Um, but I was the worst one because I was standing up. That's what they say, because um, mm. I got thrown around. Mm. Whereas if you're sitting, you're stable. Plus, they, it was like a domino effect. So all the guys mm. kind of hit against each other, and actually, the, the one side all landed on one of the other crew members um, oh, and, and t- tore his leg up. So mm. um, I just lost my train of thought. No, you're this good. This happens quite often. Yeah, actually. no, my, mine too, bro. So uh, when we're talking about the But your crash, injury in particular was... Yeah, was so um, like I said, the the brain opera- operates opposite sides of the body. So the my impact was to the right side of my head, the frontal lobe area. And so my entire left side was, was affected immediately. So... And I'm left side dominant. So motor skills, uh, it operates different parts. Like I've got numbness, and I'm people can't hear this, but it's from this side down around my eye. Mm. Like it's numb. Even to this day? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. So it's not like it's constantly numb, right? It's sensational numb. Mm. So I don't, my fingertips are numb on this side right here. Uh, Jeez. But I don't notice it until I go like this. Now all of a sudden it's like those pins and needles. When I wow, stop, dude. it goes away. My tongue, same thing. Uh, it's it's so weird, and I've learned That's these wild. things over the years. So this is the crazy thing. So with people with brain injuries, depending on how how serious they are, it's their awareness that, that is limited. Mm-hmm. Like initially, I wore pajamas every day because I then I thought it was fine. I was like, I'm good to go. Like, what, why are you guys looking at me like this? Talking because that's the mindset I was in. I was like, I'm fine because I did I wasn't really aware of my being. Like I've always been someone likes to be clean and take care of myself and well groomed things like that. And I wasn't, and that's why the, when you're evaluated, they 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 judge that. That's their job is to judge you on that. Mm, mm. It's it's a job where they they it's 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 okay to judge somebody, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so it's, hel- it's helpful, actually, right? So they assess and they see, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you're fine. I, yeah, but you're in your hair is crazy. You don't groom yourself. Yeah, you're fine. Okay. Obviously, this person has some kind of men- mental disorder that they're having. They're struggling. Um, that's what they say. The suggestion. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying people that don't do sure. that aren't. You know what sure, I'm saying? Sure, sure. So. Uh, but then looking back, reflecting on that, I can see like I wasn't in the right mind. I was obviously, obviously there's something was going on. So, uh, so reflecting on that, I, so when I did my, my brain injury, they rated it from three to 15, 15 is your basically uh, a concussion and three is your brain dead. Again, this is what I've been told wow. from the doctors. I was a seven. Dang. So hearing that. And putting it on like on the on the 
you know, gauging that from where I was in the hospital, uh, having to relearn how to walk and talk, things like this. It must have been pretty serious, right? Dude, right. Yeah. So that that's how that's that's me seeing that from an outsider looking in, and then when people see me, look at me today, they're like, it couldn't have been that serious. So well, that, that's my right. Like that's my judgment's too harsh of a word, but that was my perception. Was like, it's got shit. Like <laughs> everything's great, right? Yeah, like, yeah, hey, I mean, yeah, dude's hey, ripped. He comes in in a tank top, looking strong. Like, yeah, um, hey, hey, yeah, call you, call, call Mr. John up. <laughs> hey, Dad. I thought you said this guy was like busted up and beat up, and he walks in your life like this. So, um, that's the difference, man. And that's that's why the old saying that you can't judge a judge a book yeah. by its cover. Yeah, you can't. So, uh, you can't see what someone's experienced. Yeah, by looking at yeah. it today. Yeah. Your, I, we all have a story, right? You have a story, Justin. And so there's things about your life that I don't know that I'll never know mm-hmm. by looking at you today. 100%. And so, and I, and I and understand that um, we all have that something that we want people to know about, mm. but when is the right time and how do we tell people? Mm. That goes through my head every day of my life. Mm. When people look at me, the first thing that's in my head all the time is, do they know like what happened to me? Do they know like why I look like this? Do they know why I'm limping when I walk? They care, mm-hmm. right? All these things go through my head. But all while I'm doing that, I'm also walking saying, okay, left foot hit right there. Because I'll walk through the store, Man. and my left foot hits the will hit the, the shopping cart. Because my, my leg doesn't know how far to go. Dude. So, like, I'll fall down the stairs. So, all these things go through a head, right? All through the mind. And, I, and then, I, then I think to myself, I've also got that point of, like, trying to, like, right now, putting words together. Am I saying the right words? Do I sound like an idiot when I talk? Do I stutter? <laughs> All these things, right? Yeah, and of it's course. All going through my head, yeah. all all the time. Oh and so, gosh. at what point do you do you share certain things? And do you end in? Because that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to speak and tell my story and give people perspective and, yeah. and things like that. And then that way, they're not thinking of somebody else and putting them down with their thoughts, mm-hmm. or even in, in a situation where they have no idea what's going on with another person. So you're like, hey, don't talk to them like that. You, mm. see, you know, it's all about yeah. perspective. I can't yeah. save the world, yeah. but I'm gonna. Damn it, I'm gonna try. <laughs> you, know? you know what I mean? I just there's so much guilt that I, that I deal with every day. From what? Well, that, that's the, it's the other part of, 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 yeah. of the story, right? Because yeah. after, after my crash, uh, one of the pilots was Brian Nichols on my crash. Mm. And then when I'm in the hospital in Minnesota, there's another crash, August 6th. Mine was June 25th. Uh, the other one was, and they're both called extortion 17. Mm. Both the same call sign. They didn't retire our, the call sign with after my crash because no one died. And it was kind of initially it was considered a, a hard landing, so they they kept it, and and I can explain that and, and what that is as well. But the uh, the other crash happened when I was in the hospital. Uh, that was the SEAL Team Six. The SEAL Team Six crash, guys okay. were on board, um, which is monumental, the single largest loss mm-hmm. of life uh, in special forces and military uh, in one event. Mm. So so uh, so now. I, I feel guilty because I'm in the hospital, right? And I'm getting better. People are like, oh, my gosh, Zeke, you're doing great. Keep going. And, and then in my head at that time, I'm going, I'm thinking, I've got support. I've got a purpose. Uh, I've got a mission. I've, I need to get better and support. And then all of a sudden, these guys go. Mm. And then the same guy that was in the crash with me, the same pilot. And we, we all flew together. All Like three of these guys, three of the five are guys I was serving with every day. you know. And the other two were out of uh, different locations. Um but everyone dies, and I'm sitting here going. And he was on the second 
He was on both crashes. Oh my god! He survived the first one and died the second one. So, oh my god! Uh, and now all of a sudden, my progression didn't matter, mm. right? Because now I'm looking at all these same people that are supporting me. Now I've got to find a way to support them, and I'm confused because I'm still half half not there. Like my brain is still isn't like mm. where it needs to be. So I'm confused, and I'm like, and so I remember I, I saw posts from when I did back in there <laughs> in 2011. I was like. You know, I was doing great, but what I'm doing doesn't matter right now because it's all you, and I've got to support you and 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 be concerned mm. about you because you you've lost someone now forever, mm. right? Like I'm mm. still here in the flesh, although my my mind my mind is still there over there, and I'm lost and confused. Um, I can be alive in the flesh, but I'm not here. Like, and so that's where I tell people, um, like me. I compare myself to my house. Like my house, I have updates, mm. right? It looks great cosmetically, but all the guts, the core, it's like it's still an old, broken down building. Mm. It's it's aged. So and and that's kind of where I've. It's things mm. you can't see by looking at the house. It's all the things, the guts, you know, all the voids and things that have been that have been broken down. You can't see those things by looking at the house. Mm. They could be well hidden, you know. So. I use metaphors a lot because it helps me explain no, me and get my mission across. Yeah. Um, but uh, but so the, there's so much guilt there. And then even today in the present time, right, I still get guilty because it's like mm. I not only didn't didn't die, I wasn't killed, but I'm here and I'm and I'm progressing. I'm doing better. And so I don't really think that any of those Gold Star families, Gold Star members, Gold Star means you lost a. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I don't think they would actually honestly believe that. But at the same time, I have to think that we're all human and that goes through their head at some point. Like, mm. how how can they feel looking at me that I'm still here and I'm mm. and I'm doing this and that and their child, their spouse, their mm. father, right, isn't here. So I'm pretty intelligent when it comes to those things mm -hmm. and and i see and i hear things and i and i and i uh analyze things way too much at times i'm sure i do but but that's the reality of it damn and so look at my success and and, and I, I don't and that's where i'm just like ah and then there's like the book being an option uh having someone uh have a ghostwriter write my story i look at it from that too i'm i'm, I'm humble right uh because that's who, that's who i am yeah. all right so then hey here could you imagine having my You're book? You're from Mount Moriah, bro. <laughs> here, here, here's my book, right? Learn all about Zeke's story right here. It's all about me. Yeah, mm. I, I'm not that kind of guy. Mm. But then I look at it from the other perspective of mm. it's necessary because my book, my story, mm. someone else that hears that and sees that, that could change their life. That For could sure. give them motivation to not give up. When I was in uh, Minneapolis, that's the VA that I was at. I went to Bethesda, Maryland uh, when I was merging with Walter Reed. Mm. hospital uh and and then I, they they uh, transferred me to minneapolis minnesota for rehab when i was there there were guys with with missing skulls they had oh helmets they had gosh. to wear oh my gosh and i got close to that i was close to that. i know that I, I was told that i nearly had to be had to be to let it um uh, to remove my skull to let you know uh the swelling to help with that mm. and fluid and things like that mm. so i was close um bless i didn't i didn't have that done but other people did have that done mm. All right. Again, guilt. Like, you might have experienced something. You might have experienced something more than I did, but, or even less than I did. But, um, but I'm gonna. I got. I. I. I got out of that one. I had to have my brain removed. My Good skull removed. Enough. So, <laughs> oh, gosh. So many things that go on, and and I have empathy, man. And that's where that, that. That's why that affects me so much. But, 
I watched this guy who had been there like multiple years. I, I want to say probably two or three years. Uh, and I was there just for a couple months. I think I was there f- maybe four or five months total. But I had been there and I heard him, his, his mom talking to him in the hallway saying, why aren't you trying? Like, why, do, why don't you care? And, and mm-hmm. I remember that. I'll never forget. Um, I, my memory's terrible, right? But the same <laughs> things happen that, that don't go away. And I'll never forget this kid looking at his mom saying, who's going to love me if I go home? Like, who, people that, that, that here in this hospital Jeez. care about me and they want to help me. Mm-hmm. But who's going to go, when I go home, who's going to look at me and love me the way mm-hmm. these people do? Um, verbatim, that's not, that's not correct. But that's, that's the message that I, that I remember. Mm-hmm. Was he was saying, well, who's going to love me when I go I remember uh, He did say that. Who's going to mm-hmm. love me when I go home? Mm-hmm. So he had no, no purpose, no, no drive, no motivation to try to get out of there and go home. Because, and, th- and that gave me a different message. That gave me, I've got to get out of here. I need to go home and I need to go help other people to send this message and tell this story, my story. Mm. Um, I mean, bottom line, that's what, that, all I knew is I needed to fight. I needed to continue. I had my kids, uh, and, I, and I had family, and I knew that I needed to do whatever it took for me to get better. And Jeez. so I made, I made strides. I'm, I'm a huge believer. I have, I have a lot of faith, and mm. I believe that, that things happen for a reason, even though, even though I don't agree with them all, mm. and, and, and some of them really suck. Right, <laughs> that's right. But, but I do believe things are happening the way they're supposed to. Um, that's my testimony, anyway. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. I, and it's hard for me again to say that to other people who maybe lost a family member, mm-hmm. especially in the service, and and for me to look at them and say things happen for a reason. Mm-hmm. You, how, how do you say that to somebody? I, uh, so, but that's that's for me personally. That's my that that's my testament. That you hold on to, yeah. And that, yeah. and that's what ge- gives me motivation is mm-hmm. I don't I don't understand this, but this is happening. So which is why anytime someone approaches me and says, "Hey, you want to meet? You want to do something a podcast?" Mm. I don't say no. I overcommit, mm. which which puts me <laughs> way behind and I feel terrible at times when I'm just like, "Oh my gosh, how am I supposed to do this?" But but I I, I there's a reason why they're in my path. Mm. So I feel like it's mm. an opportunity and it it just adds to the story. Mm. So mm. I, I I don't say no. And I'm afraid to say that too because people are going to approach me and say, "Hey, you never say no, Zeke. What's up? Sweet, come on, man." <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, that's crazy. It's um, uh, I'll be curious to hear kind of your um, the the founding story of handicap and 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 you've you've told me bits and pieces of it, and I think it's a it's a fascinating ride. But at some point, you you do go home, you leave the VA. Um, what did what did that part of the story start looking like in terms of recovery and some entry back into this um, civilian world that you now are carrying these um, incredible experiences into? You know, life looks different. Um, so, so help 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 us understand kind of the the post VA recovery and then how that kind of led to the handicapping story. So uh, before I could leave the hospital, um, I had to do many things, a lot of rehab, a lot of therapy. Mm. I've got videos that uh, that Lacey, my wife, who we got married when I was in the hospital, mm. actually after, oh, after, really? after being injured, yeah. That's awesome. I uh, went to a courthouse and got married. Um, and uh, she has lots of videos that will start re- like surfacing because mm. it's, it's getting to that point where, and it's hard for her. I can't imagine, again, this is mm. something that's for her. And I can't imagine her like trying to share that oh. because of videos that she took. It's a her thing she's holding on to. And then, but I'm at this other the other side, saying, you know, saying like I need to share this. I, people need to see this so they can relate to me and understand that I'm 
not some hoax, right? What I experienced is real, and so I need to show people, like, this is where I was. Mm. So uh, that's that's starting. That's coming up. Patriot Features. Oh, wow. Is, is, uh, I'm doing a deal with them in a couple of weeks. And wow. They're going to do a, do- a mini-documentary on it. So That's so awesome. Some of the things will start coming up. It's a blessing. I mean, it really is. Um, again, I don't like attention, but to have the story told like that, again, helps me remember and recall that this is real and this actually happened. Dude, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so getting back to the, the rehab, things like that, I had to learn how to walk again. I was in a wheelchair. I was in uh, – I, I used a walker. There's, uh, they had to put a belt around my – around my, just below my chest, so people hold on to me for my balance, which my balance is still crap at times. Mm. Uh, my kids see it quite often when I fall down the <laughs> stairs, but it's all right. Uh, I bounce back pretty well. Oh, jeez. So uh, I, had to re- I had to relearn how to walk and talk, um, and there's times where it's, it's hard for me to talk to. Uh, I had to do a swallow test. I'm going to do another swallow test in a couple of weeks because mm. I'm having issues with that again. So just things that are there, things that are mm. real, mm. that I experience that you can't see. Mm-hmm. Or even know about it until, unless you mm-hmm. talk to me, mm-hmm. and then I share it. So, uh, yeah, I, I had to relearn how to drive. The whole testing Cash. with that had to come back. Um, so everything, everything we take for granted, yeah, I don't take for granted anymore. Man. And so, uh, um, so I came back home, and I couldn't deal with with people very well. Like I care about people, right? Mm. For no reason at all, <laughs> I care about people, but. In that situation, I couldn't deal with people because people would ask me things like, "Hey, when the helicopter crashed, did it get you know when it shot down? When it got shot down, did it like disintegrate?" Like, I want to look at people and go, "What the hell?" Like, <laughs> I think about that, and I think, but I also give grace to people too because it's like you know what they don't know how to approach me yeah. and ask yeah. questions like that. So, but then there are really some ignorant things out there that happen. So, but but set, with that being said. Um, you know, I just I needed to get away, so I ended up getting a lake lot that had a uh, I had a, a, cam- a pontoon boat and a, a camper, and had some friends that that helped mm-hmm. me out with that uh, location, getting it set up, making it um, accessible for me. Yeah, and then I like I'd mentioned, I found an old wire spool table, and I had some help with that, and I wanted to make it into a table, mm. so we made a table uh, a table with that, and then we were building a, a deck attachment onto the to the camper. And I, I remember I walked over one day. I kept people kept throwing bottle caps on the ground, and I was like, "Hey, let's put these on the table." And that's why I have a table now. Just put them up here. We'll take care of those later. And I walked by with a hammer, and I went and I tried to just goof off and smash the bottle, hit the bottle cap, mm. and I missed the bottle cap. And I was like, "What?" And so I did it again. And I, it was like whack-a-mole, is mm. the way I describe it. Um, mm. So I kept missing it, and it made me frustrated. I got angry. You're missing it because of my motor. Just skills. the motor skills weren't. Right. I mean, it's, it's imagine going to opening the, the fridge and put, getting a, a gallon of milk, grabbing it. My arm would swing back because I couldn't. My oh scapula, my those muscles right there, I couldn't, I couldn't hold that. I couldn't manage that. Oh my gosh. I was. It was weak, and then just this, the motor skills. It, it would still happen now if I had heavy weight, but I tried lifting up my arm. You could. Know, it would be more noticeable now because of the weight and the the, the distribution. Man. Uh, but trying to. Explain that to somebody without see- seeing is everything for people. Mm. You know, you, mm. it's one thing to hear it, but then to see it as well, that then it's like val- verification right there. Mm. So I missed the bottle caps, but what it did was it, it gave me a purpose. It gave me a mission uh, and a task that I'm like, you know what, I need to do this because maybe I can make my, my motor skills better. No one told me to do it. Nobody suggested I do it. I just started doing it. Mm. So I ended up smashing all these bottle caps on top of the, the, mm. the table. And then nailed them down, and then uh, 
it was pretty cool. It was awesome. I was proud of it, and I felt better about myself, and then that I, that I, I was doing you the did right it. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I accomplished something, and so I, uh, I went home, came back the next week, and it, it rained, and saw the bottle caps were rusted, and so that table went in the trash can. Oh no! So, <laughs> but at the same time, that's how my mind works, and that's how, again, something that happened, and there was a reason why it happened because that changed everything. Because now mm. I had a new mission, and it was how can I make one of these where it won't be ruined? How can I make this to where, you know, it can be weathered, it can be kept. So I started looking at epoxies mm. and resin. I don't use epoxy anymore. I use resin only. Epoxy will yellow. All, all epoxies yellow over time. It's just a matter of time as the wind. So I use a product called Art Resin to, to secure my art. Mm. Um, I used to do roofing and, and uh, gutter work. So I had uh, sheet metal snips and, nice. and, and needle nose pliers, and those are my tools. So now I, I actually cut the bottle caps. Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself here. No, but, you're good. But but that's that's where it started. So I went, I started I started doing. I'm very patriotic, obviously, because my yeah. experiences, yeah. my past. Yeah. So uh, I do a lot of flags and patriotic uh, pieces of art. I used to just set them on there like some college kid, like an amateur, right? That oh, I made one, but I did this all the time, <laughs> so I've got lots of them. Uh, and then people were like, "Hey, how can I buy one of those?" So then it became a business, and so I was like, "I need a business name," and then. Just the thing worked out. I'm sitting in a handicapped spot waiting to go inside the store, and I'm trying to figure this out. Like, I'm looking at handicapped, handicapped, and then handicapping. It just came. Dude, That's I'm awesome. like, it's, it's the coolest awesome. thing ever. And then the slogan is, I'd cap that. Just like the way these things come together. Yeah. I'm not a genius. I just, I just, <laughs> they get put in my head for a reason. They get put there. Like, it's. That's awesome. It's just, it's, it's incredible how this is all, you know, just one thing happens after another. So, and so now, and, and I take pride in this, uh, uh, I'm the only person that I know of that cuts them, that cuts the bottle caps and shapes them and manipulates the bottle cap into form, and to do the art that I do. Mm. I, I have many connections and many friends with that make bottle cap art, but they all flatten them or they nail them or they just like overlap them, things like mm. that. And I just I shape it and I can do anything, any kind of piece of art. Um, I've done it for, made art for lots of other people, uh, incredible people really, but it's. Uh, and, and I just converted to a nonprofit about, I don't know, 10 months ago, almost awesome. coming up on a year, because um, I'm on disability. And I, I was get, I was like, how can I help people? And so I wanted to help people. Eventually, I want to have a, mm. a system to where I can give people jobs, people that are perfectly fine, but mm. they're on disability, that they don't have a purpose, they're depressed. And so give them a job. They're perfectly capable of doing something, mm. right? Mm. But now they want to do something. And now they have an, an opportunity to make money and earn a living. So that's where that's where the long goal is. That's but, cool, uh, man. But I can't do all that now. So, what made sense was, I team up with other organizations, nonprofits, mm. whatever, whoever it may be. Uh, maybe someone that that's injured in the line of duty that needs money to, to for expenses to to fill the gap. Uh, so I make art, and it's for a fundraiser. Think of all the the galas or the, yep. the events yep. you're having where they're like, here, let's go get a gift card from this restaurant down the street. It's fifty dollars, but let's try to get five hundred out of it. Right, right, right. Um, right. And something you can't keep—it's not tangible. So I'm like, now nah, I make you a piece of art custom to your event, right? That could be an annual thing. And then, uh, and then I tell my story, and and then I talk about how I, I relate to whatever the event is, and how how my story fits into that. And then they auction that off, and it and it. And it it brings thousands of dollars, right? And so all that money goes to the organization that's, that's being funded. So, uh, and of course, now that I'm a nonprofit, 
handicap it's a nonprofit. Your oh yeah, your uh, your your donation, your sponsorship is tax deductible. So all these things that just make sense in the path. Uh, I'm not there yet, mm. but it's going in the right direction. Man, it's so cool. And um, I mean, some of the I'm just curious, like how did <clears throat> the art part of you kind of come back out? Like, was that something? Were you were you into drawing and clay so I, I and used stuff to, as a kid? Like, how did the art piece come back? Yeah. So I used to sketch. Like, I, oh, cool. I drew my tattoo. Nice. Uh, a few of them. Um, I but I it wasn't anything like, like uh, it wasn't a passion. It wasn't something I pursued. I just sketched. My brother was the real artist. He could sketch anything. It was so cool. Um, but I, I used to, I used to sketch, but then I think when you have trouble voicing, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where when you lose a sense, interesting, you, 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 your other senses gain more. Mm-hmm. So like I have trouble speaking, I, I have trouble expressing myself mm-hmm. through words and, and verbally. So now all of a sudden my hands and my eyes can see something and, and create something. And then that, that, and then what I create my art can speak for me, mm. right? And so I think that's why so many people do find art therapy to be a form of awesome therapy for them, healing and expression, um, because we can't always express ourselves through words. I can sit down for hours and write and put words together and, and it be meaningful, and, and, and people are like, wow, that, that's pretty intelligent. But if I sat here and, and talked to you right now and tried to explain the exact same things, it won't come out. It won't match up. You'll be like, "What?" Well, there's a disconnect right there. Mm. And it's because my thought process and getting it out of my head, out of my mouth, is completely different from how I can sit down and just brainstorm, basically. Mm. Brainstorming. And so, and that's kind of where the art piece comes into play. It's cool. Is it's hands. It's my hands working. And I'm my, it's another sense of mine. I'm speaking through expression rather than through. That's why I've got so much expression. I've got all these wrinkles in my face because I just expressed. <laughs> <laughs> Me so, too, dude. But that's, that's where, it, that's what it is. I think that's where it's at. And yeah, and it's, it's a gift. It's been a gift. Um, and I'm blessed to have it, you know, man, that's so cool. Um, you told a cool story and if you're open to sharing it here too publicly, that'd be neat. But, um, there, there was a, I think a Royals player who maybe bought, bought a piece at, a, at an event that, um, that you did. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, Actually, uh, and, and yeah, Folds of Honor. It was yeah, that's in, what it was. Back yeah. in December, Folds of Honor, uh, for people who don't know, they uh, they fill the gap, they fill the void of uh, when a soldier is is uh, is killed mm. or dies. Uh, the kids and the spouses, the family that's left behind, they offer $5,000 scholarships mm. to, to cover down on them to help with that, uh, with whatever's going on with them they need. Um and so uh, they approached me, and I teamed up with them, and it's been a blessing. They're, it's mm-hmm. a huge uh, honor and privilege to be, uh, you know, working with them and making art for them. And so uh, I made a piece of art for their event in December. Uh, I told my story for a few minutes. Uh, I had, a, again, my big story that's crammed into a couple minutes, and, I, and that, and that, and that it's stresses me. It's so hard. It's, sure. it's, it is, it's difficult, and it stresses me out, and... Uh, it's just hard to express and tell everything in such a short period of time. So um, I talked for a few minutes and then didn't realize that Ian Kennedy was there with his wife and they, okay, so there's a lot involved here. So, <laughs> so before, I, before I went up to, to talk, I had already had it set. The deal was, because I'm a brand new uh, nonprofit, the deal was whatever this auction's off for, we're going to split it. Handicapping gets half and cool. of Honor gets the other half. And before cool. I went up, I was just, I was, it hit me so hard. I, and what I was doing, the message that was being, 
being shared. I'm like, you know what? Whatever this raises, and that's what I, I went up there and talked. I said, whatever this raises, I'm going to give it all to the folds of honor. Mm. And so uh, it's interesting how these kinds of things happen and what selflessness can really do, right? Mm. A good, good, good heartfelt things that happen. And so the man that was in charge there that was running the show, he walked up and he said, you know what? That was a beautiful thing. He goes, whatever. He goes, and so now whatever handicap and raises, uh, four folds of honor, I'm going to match it and give the matching amount no to handicap. So uh, Ian Kennedy was there with his wife, and they were bidding on the on the on the on the art, uh, custom art. And what was it? What it was, was it? it? Was a flag okay. framed, beautiful, uh, and it had the folds of honor emblem logo oh, cool. inside the flag. That's cool. It was in, it, man. I, I'm humbled by my, by my art. It, <laughs> yeah. Just how it how it comes together. It's just it's it's amazing. Um, so the bid's going up. It's at like sixty six hundred dollars. And I'm sitting there going, Whoa. this is amazing. This might be my, my largest one that's this auction off yet. And, uh, but in all, all in my head is going, this is all going to impact folds of honor. Yeah. It's going to then in return impact actual lives, right? Um, so this is going to help somebody or, or people. Yeah. And so, uh, and I was talking about it and I was like, you know what? It's, it's, it's multiple layers of resin. It's framed. You can't break it. You, you, it's not glass. It's, it's, it's resin. So, what are the chances? The ladies put it back on upon the easel and it fell. Oh, shit. It hits the ground and the whole floor shook, and and everybody got quiet. And I go, I told you it's not going to break. It didn't break. Uh, the frame is what kind of got um, dented or dent, yeah. And so no way. And everybody was like, oh my gosh. And so uh, then Ian's wife is the one that was actually bidding on it. Uh, funny T- how that works. Typically how it works. Yeah. Yeah. And and so <laughs> it went from sixty six and she goes. Wait. So you said if whatever uh, whatever we whatever we bid, you'll match it and give the other match to the handicapping. Mister C said yes. That's how it's going to work. And so she goes, went from sixty six hundred to ten thousand. Shut up. Right there. And so and it was like boom, done. You get it, ten thousand dollars. And so Ian Kennedy and his wife uh, got it, and uh, and so and Mister C held his word and t- handicapping got ten thousand. And so dude, that's insane. And that's where I got to the next step. That's where. I, and I'm waiting for that next, the next, next step, yeah, right? Yeah. But, but that's where it's at. And so, uh, and I said, I can fix the frame for you. I can have my frame guy update that and kind of clean it up. And they go, this tells a story. Oh, I want to keep it. So emotional, man. I've talked to Ian Kennedy quite a bit since then. We're, we're connected on uh, social media. And so uh, we've talked back and forth. He sent me pictures. He's like, it's in his, like his little man cave area, his that's shop sweet. up on the wall. So uh, it's awesome. It really is. Uh, and, and I don't look at it as like, look what I did. It's like, uh, who else can I help at this point? How does this? How is this going to give me uh, an opportunity? Right, mm. experience mm. and opportunity is what matters to me. Mm. Um, money's necessary, but it's not my goal. I'm not after money. I'm after helping individuals live a better life and be happier. And mm. and, and and in return, it's going to help me. Right, that's how I heal. That's how it gets me to the next level. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm humbled and uh, mm. by everything and people that support me and my mission and. Uh, I'm grateful for that. You know, I'm blessed to be here. And then just the, the things I'm able to do and where this is going, my business with that, it, it's incredible. Dude, you, um, yeah, you, you successfully brought tears to my eyes, man. <laughs> I'm grateful for you uh, being willing to, to share that story. And, and, it, and it is cool like this. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, you, you said it, but this concept of, hey, if, you, if you're selfless and you give yourself away and you um, – find the benefit uh of someone else and, and 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 really do try to walk in their shoes and and benefit in your specific example that was the folds of honor 
it always comes back, man. And that's not the reason you do it, and that's not the reason you did it that night. Um, but to see someone like Ian Kennedy and, and his wife resonate with your mission and story and be like, it's just, it's just that, that those are the moments that like you don't see on the 24 seven crazy ass news that is like every, everything's terrible and awful and people suck. Right. Like this divisive, um, polarizing us against them mentality that I think is, is so, uh, kind of encapsulated what our current environment is. It's like, Man, those are the stories that we need to hear more of, man. Like, yeah, I think when we can get away from sides, that's where uh, progress can be made. I think having having sides is just making like Red Rover, and it's like making enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't make inclusion, and you can't make progress without dropping down your shield and saying, all right, I accept whatever you believe, because whatever you believe is because you've experienced something, and you can't change experience, mm-hmm. right? You can... Uh, you can change opinions. You can you can teach somebody, and and I'm ignorant to many things, right? But but I know what I've what I've been through, uh, and so um, I just I appreciate you know people that whenever you stop trying to 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 get something in return, right? Mm-hmm. A true character would be whenever you're you you have you you perform an action with no expectations. Mm-hmm. That that's that that's the true. You know, for me, that's what I, my my opinion on 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 true uh, giving, mm-hmm. and and not being selfish. The selflessness is where you have no expectations and you give whatever you expect to give, and then whatever returns, if anything comes in return, that that's where the surprise is, and it's a true blessing right there in itself. So that's right. Um, I'm just I'm just uh, blessed with the opportunity, and I'm here for a reason. Um, I have my days, of course, most, most certainly. I think we all do, uh, but I was. I continue uh, moving forward because I believe things that, that you know someone else has it worse than I do. Mm. Even though that we might, it might be you know us that has it that day where we're, we're feeling the hardest. You know things are happening and we're like, dude, this this sucks. I, I've got it the worst right now. Mm. It's quite possible, but 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 you know someone else always has it worse in reality. And so, and people ask me like, uh, you know, they say, you know, what keeps you going? What have, are you going to, like, commit suicide? Are you going to, like, take your life? Things like that. I get that a lot. Um, and, and the who thought... Get go- that? Who do you get that from? Doctors Just, especially. Okay. And I okay. feel like they want... I feel like they want me to go to that... to that to Down that lane because that means mm. more medication. That means it's open to more treatment. Things like that. Mm. Things that I don't want. Um, because I feel clouded. I can't think properly. And so mm. I don't really like to talk about suicide. And things mm. like that. They're the thoughts. Um mm. Because it's like, it's a, if I don't think about it, it's not there. Mm. As soon as somebody talks about it, now all of a sudden it's in my head and I can't get it out. Yeah. So, yeah, um, of course. but here's my, here's my view. Um, I want to give up every day. Like there's lots of days where I just want to give up. I just want to like, this is a lot of work. Why am I trying so hard? And then I get like, people don't understand. They can't relate to me. So, so it goes through my head every day. Like I want to give up. I'm like, ah, I'm done with this, but I, I don't. Something inside of me says, no, you got to keep going. And I think what it is, uh, it's re- I've realized what it is because when I go speak, when I've spoken at schools, things like that, uh, actually when I was out there in Smith Center at Mitch Holdis' hometown, uh, spoke at that school, I went to a couple other places, Hoisington and uh, Hayes, Kansas, and, and the effects I got afterwards, right, from the students, kids, right, and uh, they come up to me and the effect and, and what it's doing for them. Mm-hmm. So every time I want to give up and I, I want to, like, do something terrible, First thing that pops in my head 
it's not just my kids, right? It's those other people that I've talked to and express my, express my story to, giving them motivation, right? If I do something to myself, mm. I would have failed them. And so that's where my guilt comes in for that. It keeps yeah. me in check. It keeps me accountable. That what, what, did, you, what did you share if, like saying, don't give up, keep fighting, you know, never, never, never let, you know, let up. But then I do let up eventually. Let's say I do that, right? Mm-hmm. Then all those people I just that I just you know spoke mm-hmm. to and served, that just messed up their head. And so so like oh okay. So Zeke said, don't ever give up. Never stop trying, until it gets too hard, and then you have to stop trying. Mm-hmm. So that keeps me accountable. Um, I don't have all the answers, right? But I know realistically that's 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 where my heart's at. If I want to help people, I'm not going to help them. I'm going to hurt more people yeah. by hurting by doing it like that. So just got to keep going. So I know. Man, it's powerful, dude. And and I, I know there's there's lots of lots of good work um being done even in our city around uh mental health and yeah. PTSD and all those things that, that that um you guys have had to go through, man. Like it's it's a it's an incredibly I, again I can't even I can try to like relate as a conversation. I can't relate to my experience, right? And so right. um I, I'm just I'm blown away by uh your ability to to see that and to be aware of that and to be um, open and vulnerable enough to say like, dude, every day's hard. <laughs> like, yeah. Because I, I think so many of us walk around with this veneer of like, you know, and, and social media is the worst of it, right? Like put posts and highlights of our lives that don't show the dark, hard, shitty parts. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. and, 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 and for you to say like, dude, every day's hard. Every day's a battle and a, um, uh, uh, speaking to Mr. John, I'm gonna open the door. He's trying to get in here and say hey, say, say hey to you before he uh, um, uh, before you go on your way. Which man, by the way, we've we've overextended our welcome here with your time, but I'm really grateful, man. Yeah. So anyway, in summary, um, what I what I was trying to just affirm you and, and tell you thank you is like you've said many many times, even in this interview, um, that it's you know, hard for you to articulate a thought or you're, you're struggling maybe to, to capture, um, something specific to say. And it's like, bro, keep saying it, <laughs> like keep yeah. going. And because what, what you're, I think tapping into, at least for me, and I, I think for probably many others is this like, um, real authentic connection and in a deep, meaningful way that is like, holy crap, like your story is powerful, dude. And, um, I'm really, really proud to know it, and I'm, I'm um, even more grateful that, that the folks who listen to this random podcast get to <laughs> hear your story because um, it's a, it's a, it's a really powerful one, man. And 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 you you could have the choice to protect it and isolate it and to hold it close, um, but that you're open to being vulnerable and sharing it is really. In, I, I feel like it's going to do more better and, and do more good by just talking and sharing. It. I mean, there's people that are sick of hearing. It, I'm sure you know what I mean, uh, and that's all right. Uh, they don't live in my life. They don't live in my shoes every yeah, day. So, that's right. um, I just, uh, yeah, man, uh, just doing my thing, and I'm just going to keep <laughs> doing whatever I whatever I can to help somebody else. That's Where I know. Um, we ask the same five questions to everybody. Um, so just whatever first comes to mind and then, yeah. and then we'll end it with, uh, where people can follow along. Cause, cause I think they're, 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 everybody's going to like, you know, when you watch a movie or something, or especially like a documentary and then you instantly start like searching for the, like I did this, it's a random example, but I did this. We watched, um, 
the uh, the Tom Hanks um, Mr. Rogers show. Yeah, yeah. And I was like blown away. I was like, holy crap, I didn't even know all that stuff about Mr. Rogers. So I'm like Googling and reading all these articles about Mr. Rogers. Anyway, uh, that's a s- random squirrel. My point is everybody's going to listen to this and instantly start looking for more stories from you. So uh, so we'll, we'll get that at the end. But um, real quick, five easy questions. Well, four easy and one, one, one meaningful one. Um, what's the last book that you've read or listened to? I don't read. <laughs> no, that's not fair. Uh, honestly, though, uh, reading is difficult for me. Um, sure. Uh, just uh, you said this was quick, and it's not quick. When I read, my eyes tend to flip and skip lines. Oh my gosh! And then when I when and then when I do read a page, people do this often. They can relate to me on this. I'll read a page and I'll be like, "What did I just read?" So what I have to read it that? again. Yeah. So, uh, but I do attempt, and I'll tell you, the last book I read was the Bible. I've got the nice. Bible, Bible app on my phone. Nice. And uh, and I and I. Read that through that every day with the verses and it's awesome. And so um, I'm not a perfect human being, man. I make a lot of mistakes, <laughs> and people can judge Same. me on that if they want to. But you know, my my realism, the, my heart is is with that and with my faith. So uh, that yeah, that's awesome. The Bible, there you good go. answer, bro. Um, what would you do right now if you weren't afraid? Um, I can actually honestly answer that one. Uh, I would go jump out of a, out of a plane. Oh. I'd go skydiving, um, which is on my bucket list, if you can believe that. Um, as, as hard as that is, is going to be, I will do it one day. Mm. Probably later in life, where if I have a heart attack when I do it, I'm old enough and I live my life that I'm okay with you know, dying at that point. But uh, Man. I feel like that's where fear is what holds people back from, from accomplishing and, and, and growing and, and healing. Mm. And so, but I also know that on the other side of fear, which is why I make myself fly every, you know, a couple times a year. I make myself, and it's 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 an embarrassing, uh, intimate moment where people see me and they judge me. They don't know me, mm. and all they know is they see this guy that is like emotional and headed between his legs because of turbulence in the air, and oh. that's okay. It's hard, right? And I and I want to explain myself at those times to them, but but I don't because uh, there's no way to do it, right? So, but yeah. Dude, that's so Jumping powerful. out of a plane. That's going to happen one day in life. <laughs> Probably later in life, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. Man, that's powerful, dude. Thanks for sharing. Um, what's your favorite T-shirt? Or in this case, tank top. <laughs> to show off the guns. So it's not because of the guns. I'll <laughs> no, tell you that right I'm now. Kidding. I'm not very big. I'm not, and that's okay. Um, again, because what am I doing by doing this? Judgments happen. Mm-hmm. This guy that, that looks like an athlete just uh, jumped out of a vehicle that's parked in a dis- disability parking, uh, you know, parking spot. I don't want that because then now the questions want to be asked and and then now you're in my business and it's like leave me alone. So favorite T-shirt is going to be uh, honestly it's a T-shirt that uh, it's it's OD green so it's army green colored okay. and it says perspective upside down and I got that shirt from a website of the, the blind two blind brothers is actually the name of the shirt. Jeez. So um, I've got hearing aids and. I become pretty comfortable with them. I actually, yeah. they help me a lot more than they hurt me. So I, I have those, but, but I also think of people with disabilities, things like that. So uh, I, I ordered a couple of shirts from, from these guys that make these soft cloth cool. yeah. shirts, but perspective, it means everything. It says it upside down, obviously, because people are like, what does that mean? Perspective, brilliant. man. So brilliant. my favorite shirt, yes. Brilliant. I love that. And what do we I, do? I haven't worn this one yet either, so I'm not sure. Yeah, and that's soft, but it it, uh, it, it doesn't have quite the meaning. Probably. That's all right. <laughs> it's, it's a shirt, man. <laughs> yeah. um, what's your favorite place on earth? 
I don't think it has a location. I think uh, my favorite place is maybe when I make a piece of art and I see the impact it makes on somebody else's either somebody else's face, their life, or uh, or who it's going to affect. So mm -hmm. my favorite place on earth, you know, if I'm thinking about this real quick, would be that wherever I am in that in that time and place, when when my art, something I created with my with my feelings and you know my emotion, and where that where that impacts somebody else whether it be Dude. financially, emotionally, whatever that means. What a brilliant answer. No, and, and we've had lots of very smart, successful, cool, awesome people on this uh, this young show, and, and, and everyone has answered with a physical location. That's a brilliant answer, man. I, it even makes me think, like, good night. Like, yeah, the, the, the favorite place doesn't have to be a physical location. It has, it has to do with a, a feeling or an emotion or a, or a meaningful moment, whatever yeah. that may be. I just, I just I, I like to be different too. I I had no idea what your answers are, but I like to be different. <laughs> Dude, so it's brilliant. I'm happy with that. Um, it's brilliant. Um, all right, man. A little heavier one here. When it's all said and done, what do you want to be remembered for? Uh, maybe how I helped other people. Like I don't. You don't have. To, you don't have to know my my name. Even you don't have to know. Just remember, remember me as the bottle cap guy. All mm -hmm. right. That's what people. Are, <laughs> George Brett calls me as the bottle calls me as the bottle cap guy. Uh, that's awesome. I, uh, it doesn't matter because it really doesn't, right? I don't, people like sometimes want to remember me as, oh, you were in a helicopter crash. Well, guess what? Trauma is trauma. Mm. You can't, you can't compare that, right? You could, you could have got, mm. you could have stubbed your toe, but it could have in, impacted you in so many different ways that you can't walk very well. You can't, you have, you struggle with how you interact and how you, you know, move around, things like that. But trauma is trauma and you can't really, you can't compare that. Um, so when people say, well, you had it worse because you were in a helicopter crash, well, think so right because maybe i healed better than you did when you stubbed your toe so mm. and we all we all take pain differently there's no comparison on that uh pain is pain man it is and, and trauma is trauma mm. and so uh just, just to be remembered as i helped many many people in many different ways because i wanted to right i could have just said oh i'm retired and i'm broke and i can sit at home and eat snacks and watch TV all day, <laughs> which I'm, I'm not opposed to snacks by any means, but, uh, but I want to accomplish something. I want to help somebody else because I know what it's like. It's I awesome. know what it's like to struggle. So, uh, yeah. It's awesome. That's my answer. Uh, it's a good one. It's a good one to end on too, my friend. Um, thank you for your time. Before we go, where can folks kind of follow along on the, uh, the bottle cap and, uh, so, or I mean the handicapping story, but right. Uh, bottle cap guy is what I was trying to say. So it's weird, but you can, if people want to know more about the story, things that I forgot or I didn't talk about, you can Google Zeke Crozier, uh, C-E-K-E, uh, Crozier online. Uh, there's lots of stuff on there. Hopefully it's all good. Um, <laughs> but then you can, uh, on Facebook, uh, the Facebook page is Handicapping. It's H-A-N-D-Y, not, not I, uh, hyphen C-A-P-P-I-N. So I've got a page on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. I've got Twitter. I was terrible at tweeting, but I, I've got it. Uh, and then, uh, where else are we thinking? And we'll link to all this too. Oh, and what's I've got, the website? I've got LinkedIn as well. Website is handicapping.org. .org. Okay, cool. Yeah. I've yeah. got .com and .org. We just transferred it over to .org. So, but both of them go to the same location. Cool. And we'll link to all this stuff, man. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I guarantee you people right now are hopefully not driving, but they're listening to this, looking, Googling Zeke Crozier, <laughs> trying to it find out not. more, man. I um, appreciate it. Thanks, my friend. I'm really grateful to know your story, dude. It's a Thanks for having one. me on. Of course. Appreciate it.